Jamie's going to bring us in. When we're we talking, talking, yeah, well, it's it's just, it's they like Joe Rogan so when he just starts, but and um, we talk towards the mic. That's the only okay. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Fine. Sit round. Yeah. It's like um, Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Radcast. Today we're taking a trip down memory lane in more ways than one because we have Dr. John Curtis back on the podcast for his second appearance. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Curtis was our very first podcast guest back in July 2018. And a lot has changed since then. Yeah, we were second year trainees and Dr. Curtis was still in his post as a consultant at Aintree. And now we are both consultants and Dr. Curtis is retired. Um, so firstly, congratulations for making out the other side. Um, Thank you. Just a disclaimer with this one. Um, we are recording this live on location um, in Dr. Curtis's dog's room. Um believe it or not um so so yeah can't, can't guarantee what the sound quality is going to be like this not a normal um professional setup but yeah just a disclaimer there i'm sure it'll be fine literally in the doghouse <laughs> and, and the doghouse uh for those people who need to know is approximately the same size as my office uh as it was at aintree <laughs> just without the packets of films to help with the acoustics yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, how does it feel to be retired? Um, good and bad, really. Great because I don't have to get up in the morning for work, but uh, I do have to get up for the dog because um, <laughs> I've got the uh, uh, little uh, miniature schnauzer. So I take him probably about six miles a day walking, uh, and so I get up early for him. Uh, but it's nice not to have the pressure of you know preparing an MDT or you know, rush, rushing through the rush hour traffic, uh, trying to get to work. So so it's great. Uh, I do miss my colleagues. I miss my radiology and clinical colleagues, but also, um, you know, the staff in the department. Mm. Uh, and I'm actually um, planning to make a, a bit of a return. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe more of that later. <laughs> maybe more of that later. Tease. Um, so, um, okay, how long have you been retired now? Uh, so I've been retired probably about 18 months now. 18 months. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for it to sort of sink in? You, you seem to be quite sort of um, in, the, in the swing of the retirement mode now. But Yeah, so, um, so what happened, um, I, did, I did a lot of teaching when I was a consultant radiologist and... Uh, since retiring and during the pandemic, I did loads and loads of teaching. So that's kind of kept my link with radiology. Mm-hmm. Um, but do I um, do I yearn to come back and, and work the same kind of hours that I used to do? No, uh, but I do. Uh, I do still like radiology as a as a discipline. I like the interaction with the clinicians, and, and I love the teaching element. And so that's kind of, you know, kept kept that very strong link with uh, with uh, the department and with radiology in general. And you have been tempted to come back then, so uh... yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and um, uh, hopefully do a lot of teaching. Uh, so I do teach for the uh, the deanery, uh, and the deanery involved in teaching registrars. So I've, I've been doing that already. Uh, I've been doing a bit of uh, teaching for the medical school. A uh, bit of teaching for Ukraine, um, mm. and then I do 
two nights a week free teaching on Zoom for anyone who wants to hear. And I've been doing that. <laughs> and I've been doing that. Doing that since the pandemic. <laughs> I, I get those emails. My inbox is just full of you inviting. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the, <laughs> you should ask. You should ask people. to be unsubscribed. Um, no, you're far it's, too it's, polite. It's, it's comforting, you know. It's good to yeah. know you're still sort of uh, <laughs> still spreading the word. Um, how, how many people do you get attending? <laughs> um, okay, so on average, probably about two fifty. What? Uh, approaching the exam, I get four fifty. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> International or no, I don't charge. It's completely yeah. free of oh, charge. So, many. so what happened was I was um, in the in the teeth of the pandemic. The pandemic was about a month old, and a lot of trainees came to me because I um, I was the program director for SC five and six, and they were a bit concerned about how the pandemic would affect their training. And, um, of course, nobody knew what was going to happen to anyone at that point. And I was very frank with them and said, um, well, we don't know what the outlook for the pandemic is going to be like. Uh, but uh, fear not, your, your training is no worse than it is anywhere else in the country. Um, but there was, there was real anxiety. And so uh, in an attempt to try and, you know, overcome that anxiety, I started teaching on a Monday, on a Thursday, using Zoom. Initially, it was for um, 90 minutes, uh, and then I reduced it to an hour. Um, and, you know, before you knew it, um, the links I was giving to the local trainees were getting sent to other parts of the country. You went viral. Then, <laughs> then yeah, yeah. North Africa, <laughs> Middle East, Egypt... Um, United wow. Ar- Arab uh, Emirates, um, Pakistan, India, and um, it, it fluctuates between about you know two hundred and fifty and four fifty. And what um, are you just showing, sort of? So yeah, or... so what what I do is I um, I've got a PowerPoint slide collection which is probably about four thousand slides, and um, I just put them all in randomly. And because they were all my cases when I was a junior radiologist and a consultant, I kind of know them. Mm. And I just put it in as a PowerPoint presentation. And I start at the last slide on the previous Zoom uh, call. And then I finish on whatever slide. I just keep a note of that number and then that's the next one. And it's Mm. completely random in an attempt to simulate the exam, which is very random. And it's just hot seat, they sort of... It's, it, well, it's kind of hot seat, but I don't put anyone in the hot seat because it's impractical with so many people. Mm. But I encourage people to put the answer in the chat. And there may be supplementary questions, etc., etc. Um, the great thing is that I know all the cases, but occasionally I come across uh, a slide that... I have a, an acute lapse of memory, and I I just ask the audience what they think, and when when somebody comes up with a, with an answer that is probably correct, I just say well done and go on to the next slide. And I can say that now because I'm retired. <laughs> yeah, so no one can hold hold anything against you. Yeah, that's a great excuse. Um, 
so um right so looking back on your career then um do you have any sort of highlights from your career do you have a top five moments um top five moments okay my my very very finest moment was um before um most people knew me as a diagnostic radiologist with an interest in chest education and emergency radiology i did intervention and i i gave up the intervention to create a job for another colleague and one of my um uh, one of the things i used to do in intervention uh i kind of carried on doing the drainages the biopsies and whatever but i used to do angiography and i always used to uh, let the trainees do hands-on and there was a particularly difficult case where the patient uh, had a stenosis in the uh, SFA and we were going downstream to do an angioplasty and so I gave the controls over to the to the registrar uh, and I was quite keen whenever I did any intervention I was quite keen to teach the the trainees and uh, it was clear to me that they were struggling. Uh, so they tried the, the J-wire. I said, okay, take the J-wire out, try to remove wire, make it slippy, try and get it through the stenosis. And I could see that they were struggling a bit. Now, it was our habit in the department at that time to play music. And uh, it was a continual to, um, you know, play of... Uh, CDs because we didn't have Spotify in those days. It was <laughs> CDs and we had a CD machine, and so I took over, and it was purely by luck. There's no skill involved. I got the Taruma wire, and I got it through the stenosis first time. And just as I did that, the James Bond theme music played, <laughs> and that was my finest moment in radiology. Um, what was the second finest moment? Um, well, I, I just I just loved going to work and finding something interesting to try and tell the trainees. Mm. And sometimes it may have been interesting to the trainees, but I'd seen it before. But I thought, why not tell the trainees? So I used to tannoy all yeah. the trainees mm. to my office uh, to, come and, to come and see something. <laughs> and... Um, uh, I just I just show them um, these come to Dr. Gerter's office. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. So, and I believe two of my colleagues have carried on that tradition. No, uh, I think sparingly, but I think it takes a lot of uh, it's big shoes to fill. Well, I thought. In fact, I think they've disabled the tunnel system. Yeah. Now, <laughs> no, you get the other but, um, cannula, but yeah. So, so I so I enjoyed that, and I always thought, um, why why do you stack up all your interesting cases till the end of the day? Why just not show them mm. live? You know, because most most of the interesting cases occur, you know, between nine and five. So I used to get people queuing up into my um, door, and I'd uh, you know I'd, I'd show them an interesting film, teach them about something, and it was it was interesting actually because people often thought that that was a great teaching experience, but really what I was doing when everyone had left my room. <laughs> I chose the best diagnosis, <laughs> and then I put that into the dictaphone. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But it's a great it's idea. Fine, it is a good it's a, idea. It's a great yeah. idea for um, 
for the reluctant consultant, mm. um, you know, masquerade your ignorance as a teaching session. <laughs> Hot tip. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it'd be good. Hopefully, yeah, if you come back, we can... Because we, the new S, the SC1s, SC2s won't have heard uh, yeah. the, the, the JC Tannoy. So, no, uh, so we'll have to get a new Tannoy system, <laughs> especially put in for me. Um, or, or actually, I could just buy a megaphone. Mm, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. You should ask for that as the gift for when you yeah, start yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, I should do that. Um, obviously, you're going to use because yours um, has been taken. I don't know what's yours like. Uh, I'm already <laughs> sharing. I'm already hot. You can hot desk. You can join. The... Um, I I'm happy to use anyone's office. Um, I don't mind the red room. Just be as long as it's space. Oh, to... I could, get, could go in the red room. Could need I? some space to stack films up in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. And my my other finest moment. Um, uh, I suppose it was. Uh, about 20 years ago uh, it was a case I was involved in uh, which uh, I thought was fascinating and in fact to this day I still find it fascinating there was a, a lady who was um, uh, a nurse at Aintree who presented with abdominal pain and everyone with abdominal pain in the mid 90s used to get uh, um, an abdominal x-ray and an erect chest x-ray. And in the process of doing the erect chest x-ray, it was clear that she had cannonball metastases. And so the hunt was on to find out what the primary was. Anyway, uh, the natural history of her abdominal pain was that it got better, and we never really found out what it was. Uh, kidneys were normal, thyroid was normal. And so I said to the uh, oncologist, well, you know, everything's fine, everything's normal, uh, but I think there's only one thing for it. She's a young lady, uh, we have to do a biopsy, and I'll do it for you. So I did the biopsy, and it wasn't difficult, it was a straightforward lung biopsy, no complications, and it came back as smooth muscle. Uh, and I, I never forget the, the aim, isn't it? yeah yeah so I never forget um, the room of chest physicians thought that I'd hit skeletal muscle and then I had to point out to them that skeletal muscle was different from smooth <laughs> muscle um, and the diagnosis was benign metastasizing lyomyomatosis and so when a, a further history was taken on this patient she gave a history of 13 years previously having a myomectomy for fibroids mm. and then a year before presentation she had a hysterectomy and so that was it was probably the myomectomy that caused the mm. implantation of the um, lyomyomas so anyway the oncologist who asked me to do the biopsy was absolutely amazed because he'd never seen anything like it and neither had I and we looked at all her and this lady is alive and extremely well, but with a horrific chest x-ray. And so it, ta it taught, me, taught me three things. First, never give up on the diagnosis. In somebody young, go and get the diagnosis. Uh, number two, um, don't always assume that everything you see on a chest x-ray is malignant, because mm. it could be benign. Mm. And the third thing, what was the third thing? Um, 
because uh, I'm retired, <laughs> I've, I've naturally I've forgotten the third thing. But the, a few wines down. I think I think the third thing is that um, you know uh, this is you know something that you need to think about prospectively. So if you see a patient who's got cannibal metastases, and it's a female patient, make sure somebody takes a good gynae history. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Anyway, about two or three years later, I was doing a biopsy, or rather I was teaching a registrar to do a biopsy on a similar patient. And I said to the registrar, what do you think the odds are of this being benign metastasizing lyomyomatosis? So, um, so that registrar said, oh, um, well, actually, I think the there was a tumbleweed moment because they'd never heard of the condition. And I, I explained it to them. Anyway, it turned out to be benign oh. metastasizing lyomyomatosis. So, in other words, don't write off a patient until you know exactly what the diagnosis is. Uh, now, whether you are as invasive as I was to get the diagnosis. Maybe you don't have to be, uh, but make sure you get the diagnosis before you can mm. you know, mm. uh, give the patient uh, a poor prognosis or a good prognosis. So that, that, that was a highlight. Yeah, that was right. a highlight. Any, any regrets from your career? Um, that's a very good question. In fact, I, uh, I spoke to a friend of mine uh, when I was thinking of retiring and he said as long as you have no regrets any time is the right time to retire assuming you can support yourself financially and I thought that was a fantastic uh, statement because if there's something I haven't achieved I might want to carry on mm. uh, or if there's something I've done really badly and I want to put it right, I might want to carry on. So in other words, a regret could be that you've done something wrong or the absence of doing something that you want to do. And actually, um, I didn't have any regrets in those in those terms, mm. really. Um, missing your colleagues, the department, and your clinical colleagues uh, isn't a regret. It's just... Um, it's a byproduct of retirement. It's natural. Mm, yeah. you, you're going to do it. But it's not a regret as such. Um, and I don't regret anything, really. Um, I was the only consultant in my department who'd never been to RSNA. So I suppose that's a regret. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I didn't go was that Fleetwood Mac were doing a farewell tour <laughs> during that week in Manchester. <laughs> So I went to the Fleetwood Mac Part tour. Time. Absolutely. Good reason. Yeah, yeah but time. they did 12 farewell tours for the next 12 years. <laughs> uh, so I missed out going to um, Chicago. And I think I'm the only consultant probably in Liverpool who's never been to Chicago on RSNA. So, yeah, a mild regret. Mm. Uh, I, I don't want... You know, uh, listeners to the podcast to start a collection to get me out there. By the way, so so, so, so it was not intended to start a, a collection scheme. So uh, um, you put together um, a document with advice for new consultants, oh, yeah. sort of like a 10, 10 commandments. Um, what do you think are the most important tips? The most important ones are that. Um, 
don't forget, as a consultant radiologist, you are likely to be in a fairly big department, even in a DGH, and you are likely to see more of your clinical colleagues than your radiology colleagues. And so it's really important to develop good relationships with them. Um, that, that's, that's, you know, a really important one. But the number one uh, is that you've got to be kind to other people, but also be kind to yourself. So what I mean by that is um, radiologists are very busy and registrars are very busy, consultants are very busy, but you've got to find time to teach registrars. So by that I'm saying be kind with your time to teach the registrars, but also with the clinicians because clinicians often ring up when radiologists are really, really busy, but they wouldn't ring up if they didn't have a problem. Mm -hmm. And the problem is common to all doctors is that we've got a patient. And so being kind to your colleagues is, uh, is kind of directly being kind to the patient because if you give your colleagues time, um, indirectly and directly, you're giving your patients that time. So I think they're the, they're the two main ones. Uh, but there are another eight, and please don't ask me to recite them because I can't remember them. Um, but you may want to post it on the podcast as yeah, a, in the show notes, yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As, a, as a document. But um, yeah, basically, um, enjoy your job. Don't hesitate to seek help. Uh, make sure that uh, you don't take on too much in the first, you know, few months of your job. And if you are you know, concerned about anything, um, get yourself somebody who you trust. And it may not necessarily be a radiologist, uh, but get somebody who you trust, who you can confide in, who will keep a confidence, you know. Mm. Uh, and I think that's really good advice because sometimes uh, in the department, there might be lots of overlapping issues. And going to speak to a colleague outside of the department just saying, look, you know, what do you think of this? It's a fantastic resource that everyone should use, I think. Mm. Wise words. So don't take on too much in your first few months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, on reflection, because I'm now the uh, cross-sectional imaging lead, um, that's why I asked you whether you're going to come back on the hot reporting rotor. Yeah. So I'm very, very glad you are. So that's yeah, another, <laughs> another name on the list. <laughs> um, but yeah, but some people have taken them more than me, actually. Like, was a couple of the new consultants became sort of clinical director fairly early on. Maybe yeah. it's just an entry thing, sort of blood them in early. Yeah. So, so despite my seniority, I dodged that bullet. Yeah. Um, I, I was never clinical director. I, what I did, I, I drifted into education, education fairly yeah. early on in my career. And so... The management of my, you know, professional career was in the format of head of school. Yeah. Uh, whereas um, uh, other people, the natural route for management would be clinical director, divisional medical director, or whatever. Uh, and I'd become so involved in education that that's, that that was the route that I took. Really. Did you? I feel like you you like the practical element of teaching and actually interacting with the yeah very much so the sort of more side of it head of school did you enjoy that or was um so so when i was head of school uh there was a certain amount of management stuff i had to do uh 
um, but I uh, I enjoyed the teaching. And if there was a gap in the teaching rotor, I used to say, Misa, Misa, I'll do it. And then, you know, I just happened to be head of school, but I did it because I liked it. Uh, the admin stuff um, was assessing trainees. Now, that's very important because at the end of the day, you know, we, we all have duty as doctors to put the patient as number one. And so indirectly, by training trainees, you are looking after the patient. And so uh, my obligation was to make sure we trained our trainees properly, made sure that they were competent. Uh, and there was a practical and an administrative procedure to, to make that happen. Um, but by far the most important thing uh, for me was to uh, try and teach people properly, but also to encourage other people to teach mm, because mm. you can't do it all on your own. And so I, uh, I'd i like to think I kind of started a chain reaction of people teaching uh, because yeah. I think that is you know, really important. Uh, medical education is like saving lives in slow motion. <laughs> I keep on saying that, but it's true. We've heard all of your uh, JC-isms. Uh, yeah, so it is true, it is true. So, okay. Um, so how are you spending, so you've spoken about your teaching, um, maybe sort of away from radiology and education and stuff. Um, how are you spending your post-retirement life? Um, okay, you seem so... You spend a lot of time um, skiing. <clears throat> <laughs> so last season, I was absolutely loving watching Liverpool. Uh, this season, um, <laughs> I get a bit nervous when I watch them, over, if I'm honest with you. Um, I walk the dog uh, about five to six miles a day. Uh, I play golf. Um, what else do I do? Uh, I go skiing. I uh, go walking. And, and basically, I just you know keep myself fairly active um i read you know things about radiology uh, i read the bmj um and i keep myself quite active really uh, both physically and you know professionally uh, and i do a, a lot a lot of teaching mm. i never regarded the teaching as onerous so for me it's not really a job it's just you know it's just kind of what I, what, what i do really so, so retirement is great because you've got all these things you can do, but I'm still keeping a, a, a bit of a lifeline to radiology. Mm. Um, you've got a, a kind of a separate teaching enterprise with two other consultants. Yeah, radiology masters. There. Yeah, radiology masters. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's, what what does that involve? Is that that separate from the the deanery? Teaching? Yeah. So, so uh, this was well before the pandemic. Um, the uh, radiology FRCR exam always used to take place in London and people used to go face to face with the examiner and they would be shown DICOM images and um, I'd been involved in the Aintree FRCR course so uh, back in 2002 um, the Aintree course started and we then went from plain film to DICOM using uh, computers and so that was that was quite a big quantum leap and then just before the pandemic um, myself um, Dan Fasher who's a consultant in Harrogate and Radhika Prasad who's 
consultant at Aintree, uh, we started doing uh, online teaching using Zoom. And then we used uh, another one called Crowdcast, and we've now gone back to Zoom. And in fact, we, we started doing it before the pandemic uh, to, number one, see if we can get a wider audience. And we were conscious of the fact that a lot of people who came from India, Pakistan, had to pay a lot of money to come for face-to-face -face teaching prior to the exam. So that, that was the reason that we did it. And then the pandemic arose and then everyone started Zoom teaching. We were kind of, we kind of hit the ground running because we'd done it before. Slightly ahead of the curve there. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but, you know, a lot, load of people are doing some fantastic work uh, teaching online. And, and I think it's really good. And radiology lends itself really well. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. We've, we've done lots of surveys uh, with uh, trainees. Would you like this course digital or face-to-face? Uh, -face? And the vast majority want it online. Yeah. Um, because of, of a number of, you know, very um, important reasons, notwithstanding the fact that they don't have to travel. Yeah. They don't yeah. have to put up with, you know, the catering. Yeah, you there isn't really a justification for doing radiology courses in person. However, when the Aintree 2B course was in person, the meal was quite nice in the restaurant. Yeah, the meal. The, that the, was a the, nice in the hotel restaurant? Or the, 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 no, you to, we went to... You to the, oh, yeah. Like uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, yeah, not the hospital restaurant. Yeah, the catering was, yeah, was fantastic. So that, you miss yeah. out on that, don't you? That yeah, way. you do. And, and the, the ability to network. So... Mm. Uh, although people like online teaching for its convenience, and that's not only the examiners or the, um, the speakers, but also the um, you know the participants, uh, we do need to network with each other because we're human beings, and you can network with people in your own hospital, but you need to know what's going on outside your own hospital, and you can't do that on a Zoom. Mm. Because people don't want to put things in a chat. They don't want to talk out openly. They need to speak, you know, privately off sometimes. Yeah, yeah, off the record. Off the record, so So I think there needs to be a mixture. Uh, and maybe, you know, courses should encourage people to get face-to-face. -face, but, you know, uh, there the, the needs to be a bit of both, mm. really. Well, I'm conscious of the fact that it is eight o'clock and um, the curry's here and uh, we need to watch Real Madrid stuff Liverpool. So, um, you... well, that, you know, uh, whatever happens at the end of the game, um, it'll be up for the podcast uh, listeners to, to work out what's happened. But I never watch a game um, that Liverpool are playing in without thinking that they might win. Well, you need you need four goals. No, you need yeah. Four we goals. need four goals yeah, to go yeah. through, or three goals to go to extra time away from home oh, at, at Real Madrid. Uh, that's it. Madrid. That's it. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, going through a few. But games. if you'd never think that you might win, you may as well just go home. It's <laughs> good um, job you are home. And yeah. <laughs> I like it. Very good. Very good. Very good. Well, we will see. We will see. 90 minutes and we will see. Is the curry here? The curry's here. They've replaced that very quietly. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, draw it to a close. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good, good. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Yes, yeah, yeah, thank you. So, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next month with another episode. 
And in the meantime, you can catch all of our previous episodes on all the major podcast platforms and at anchor.fm forward slash radcast. If you want any more updates in the meantime, you check out our social media channels. So that's Radcast Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.